0: Backed by no one's demand but our own. And from our home office here in the Gulch in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee, it is the 615 Sessions. Brought to you by A to Z Sports, A to BuckRising, Buck Rising, here with you, survived NFL Draft Weekend. A cast of hundreds of thousands flooded the streets of our beautiful city here. And we crushed it, by the way. Uh, it's taken me at least three days to recover. Although I what, to be honest with you guys, I was ready to go again Sunday. Like this stuff was so much fun uh, to be able to to be able to cover professionally. But we have to react to everything that went down. We have to react to the things that the Tennessee Titans did at said draft, and we will do so with our friends Dane Brugler, draft analyst for the Athletic. He'll be uh, joining us in just a moment, and of course, our dear friend Tiffany Blackman. NFL Network reporter. She will be on shortly after Dane. We also have to talk about the Titans six picks uh, in a little greater detail. We'll do that after we talk to Tiffany. And there was some, there was some, uh, a little bit of, a little bit of distress. A little, uh, a little bit of, I I guess distress is not the best word to use. uh, But just a a foul up on the part of the Titans local media, uh, myself included. Our friend Paul Kaharski self-admittedly botched one of those picks on Friday. Uh, I made the mistake of running with it without confirming it myself. So what we're going to do is, I know Paul's talked about this on the Midday 180, uh, but I'll give you my perspective from how everything went down, give you a little behind-the-scenes look uh, in St. Thomas Sports Park, in the uh, the smelly little writer's room that we're all crammed in over the three days of the draft, because that's where we hang out when the actual draft is going down. We're not down on the stage We're not down around Broadway. We're back at St. Thomas Sports Park uh, because they'll directly put the players on a conference call with us. And then John Robinson and Mike Vrabel will come down and speak to us in a formal press conference setting at the auditorium there directly afterwards. So we'll go behind the scenes of that. We will also talk about some of the misfortune that befell me over the weekend. It was uh, comedic for the most part. But I think you guys will get a kick out of it nonetheless because, you know, like who doesn't – we're friends here, right? This is a community. You all are my people. I am your people. This is how this works. This is your show, and I am here to serve. Uh, but being that we're such good friends, you and I, uh, who doesn't like to see their friends fail every once in a while? So I'll tell you about my, uh, my run-in with the rock and roll marathon uh, that caused me great distress on Saturday. And, of course, we got to talk about Titans linebacker, Darren Bates, who allegedly, as our friend Stephen A. Smith would say, can't stay off the weed. We'll talk about that after the show, but, or not after the show, we'll talk about that after Tiffany Blackman, but first, draft analyst for The Athletic, Dane Brugler. Back here on the 615 Sessions podcast, A-to-Z Sports, A-to-Z SportsNashville.com, just concluded an epic draft weekend, as we have discussed ad nauseum, but we have to break it down. So we bring on one of the smartest guys out here doing it, Dane Brugler, NFL draft analyst for The Athletic. You can follow my man, at DP Brugler, on Twitter. Uh, he considers himself an amateur barbecue pitmaster. so we start in the <laughs> obvious place. What is the best barbecue city, Dane?
1: Well, you know, I grew up in Ohio, and then I moved to Texas, just north of Dallas, and, uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've been to St. Louis, I've been to Memphis, I've been to Nashville, um, but, you know what, I, I, being in Texas, I, I, I'm a big believer in Texas barbecue, and so Austin has terrific barbecue, there's a few spots here in Dallas, um so I'm but I'm a Texas guy uh through and through when it comes to barbecue. Just keeping it as simple, beef, salt, pepper, a little bit of garlic maybe, and uh, you know, no sauce needed. So for me that that's what I gravitate towards is just the Texas style.
0: Yeah, see, in Nashville, I think I think we overrate ourselves slightly. Like I'm, I love Martin's barbecue, I love Edley's barbecue, mm-hmm. but I think on the whole, uh, we think a little too highly of ourselves in terms of barbecue. But like I look at, I look at those things that went viral a couple months ago, where it's like New York barbecue taking over the scene and things like that. And I, I just, I just scoff at people who don't yeah. actually know what real barbecue is.
1: Well, that, that's the thing. Is that's uh, Sounds more of a, a pretender than anything else. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think they could. Uh, I'm sure there's a few spots, you know, in D.C. and New York and a few of these other spots. I'm sure there's a few spots that are. They, they've got some decent food, but yeah, it's you got to to get authentic. Uh, you know, barbecue. You're going to. You're going to Austin. You're going to Memphis. You're going to Nashville. You're going to St. Louis. You're going to one of these Kansas City. You're going to one of these places that has the authentic stuff.
0: Yeah, don't mess with the original. Uh we'll get That's to right. the we'll get to the local professional football team in a moment, but let's go wide view with you first. Uh who on paper came away as the biggest winner uh from draft weekend in your eyes?
1: It's, there were certainly a lot of teams that I thought did really well. Um, but it really starts with Washington in my eyes. Uh you know, a lot of conjecture about are they going to move up to get the quarterback? they stay put at 15 and they get their quarterback at Dwayne Haskins, who was my top quarterback in the draft. Um, I, you know, he's a guy that I'm going I'm to bet on him because I think he has the arm, both velocity and accuracy. And I think he has what it takes above the neck. Um, so, you know, eager to see how he can develop. Uh, if he's going to see, yeah, he'll, he's going to see the field this year as a rookie, just how much and how long before he earns the starting job. So it's not, not a lot of competition with Casey Keenan and Colt McCoy. So, won't be surprised at all if we see Dwayne Haskins pretty early on uh, for the Redskins. And then could come back and you get Montez Sweat. And at the end of the first round, um, just if those two guys hit, which I think there's a good chance they do get a premier quarterback, premier pass rusher. And then I love what they did the rest of their draft, Terry McLaurin in the third round, Bryce love Cole Holcomb from North Carolina. One of my favorite linebackers in the draft, Kelvin Harmon. you kidding me? In the sixth, right? Jimmy Moreland in the seventh. So love what the Redskins did. I thought they killed it. Um, uh, really took advantage, not only of getting good players, but good value. Arizona. That did really well, and like, if you're gonna have the first pick in just about every round, you should do well. You know, you should uh, you know maximize that opportunity, and I think they did. And it starts with uh, the fit with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, and it's, it's going to be fun to watch that play out. Uh, but then in the second, Byron Murphy, uh, they get uh, add two uh, or a couple of impact wide receivers, with Andy Isabella and Hakeem Butler. Uh, you know, very different types of receivers there, but to get both those guys add them to the mix. And then I like what they did on day three, and uh, you know I'm looking at their draft class, and I, there's not a single pick. Maybe maybe the last pick is the only pick I didn't like, and if and that was the final pick of the draft, Mister Irrelevant. So if the last pick of the draft is the only one I really didn't love for the for for your team, I think you did okay.
0: Yeah, I did. I didn't need another reason to make fun of David Gettleman, but I mean, the <laughs> irony of them taking Daniel Jones and letting Haskins fall to a division rival at 15 I was honest to God, almost more than I could take. Dane, were, were yeah. you as shocked by what Gettleman did as the rest of the world seemed to be?
1: not not shocked because i think that i mean there was a part of me that expected it i mean i've been mocking daniel jones to the giants for for a while now and in my final mock i had the giants trading up from 17 to like 13 to draft daniel jones uh and they just said you know what we're just we're going to take our quarterback here and they did and so you know i on one hand i feel bad for daniel jones because you know it's not his fault he was drafted that high you know he's he is what he is, sure. and I think that's going to be a, a, a B-level starter in the NFL, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, if I think his absolute ceiling is probably a Kirk Cousins, and again, that's not a bad thing. Kirk Cousins is well paid uh, in the NFL, but it's—I uh, it, I don't know if it's going to be that home run pick that you know maybe Giants fans are hoping it would be, and so I don't know. I, I like Daniel Jones. I just I would—I I thought he was a second-round player, and I. Would much rather have Dwayne Haskins on my team uh, than Daniel Jones.
0: I just I saw the comments from Gentlemen on Monday where he's saying we'll see we'll see who's calling me crazy in three years. And I I listen. I respect the stones on this man because he just legitimately does not seem to care about what other people think about his picks. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, so now to the Titans and John Robinson. Uh, you have we're, we're talking about this because you've obviously got your draft class power rankings uh, up mm-hmm. on theathletic.com. Make sure that you are getting a, a subscription for all of Dane's work, as well as locally here, Travis Hady, Adam Vingan, and our friend Johnny Glennon. Uh, you have it divided or broken down, rather, as your favorite pick, a questionable pick, and a day three pick who could surprise. Tell me why John Robinson didn't have a single questionable pick mm. out of the six players he brought in.
1: Well, there's not a single player that I could point to and say, Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't have done that, or you know, I kind of disagree, or that's I, I mean, I think they got tremendous value with each one of their picks. And so I wasn't gonna force it. So I did not put a single player down for questionable pick. Um, you know, maybe you could say Jeffrey Simmons because coming off an ACL, the baggage in his background, maybe you could say that's a questionable pick, but you know, from it's an ACL and you know, the way things are happening right now with you know, the medical, uh, advances, it's, you shouldn't have to worry about the ACL, um, uh, everything with his baggage. Look, you talk to people at Mississippi state and they rave about him his character, who he is as a person. So something that happened when he was 17 years old, um, uh, not going to hold that against him. Um, you know he deserves uh, the benefit of the doubt of a second chance as long as you're contrite as long as you you know take the necessary steps and he has so you know I, to me Jeffrey Simmons is not a questionable pick love the A.J. Brown pick A.J. Brown outside the top 50 uh, that's an easy pick he's a he's an impact player right quickly Dayton, quickly
0: Daniel yeah. were you surprised to to see the wide receivers go the way that they did I mean I was shocked about how little teams seem to value them this year
1: Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I was not high. The the highest-graded receiver on my board was 27 overall, so I wasn't very high on this wide receiver group. But I I still, I was surprised that uh, A.J. Brown falls out of the top 50. D.K. Metcalf falls out of the top 60. Um, You know, I I definitely was surprised with a few of these, uh, the the order that came off the board and how late they did. Uh, But it's a a benefit to a team like Tennessee to get an A.J. Brown that late who – is just he's a reliable player, uh, inside, outside, natural routes, natural hands catcher. Uh, he's a rocked up athlete. He's only six foot and a half, but he's 226 pounds. There, there's some Juju Smith Schuster there with A.J. Brown. And, uh, you know, hopefully he could be uh, a little bit of a safety blanket for Marcus Mariota this year.
0: DeAndre Walker in the fifth round, and and as I've mentioned, we'll we'll talk about it later in the show for people listening. But uh, DeAndre Walker, a little bit of a sensitive subject here, as people were tipping the pick in the third round, he didn't end up going until the fifth. But that was somebody who people or who teams seemed to value uh, higher than he went. And of course, he had the hernia surgery that may have dropped his uh, dropped his draft status slightly. But uh, tell me tell me why he can make if or I guess in your opinion, can he make a difference uh, in terms of pressure off the edge as a rookie? Because, I mean, that's something they desperately need, especially if they're going to wait around for Jeffrey Simmons to get right. Harold Landry is somebody that everybody knows well, who's who's got a high ceiling and has great potential. But I mean, can can DeAndre Walker come in here and make an impact as a fifth round rookie in Tennessee?
1: As long as he's healthy, you know, and that's, I think that was the biggest thing is just, yeah, he had the hernia surgery and, you know, that impacted his uh, draft spot more than anything else. But as long as he's healthy, absolutely. He's not quite as physically gifted as some of the other uh, Jack pass rushers that Georgia has produced, like Leonard Floyd and Lorenzo Carter, those guys. But this guy, he, he's a one-year starter. He kind of waited his turn and he led the team in tackles for a loss last year, led the team in sacks. Uh, he, he's... Flexible off the edge, he has closing bursts, he has physical hands, and what I love about him is he's not just a rusher. He can drop in space, he can play the run, he can do everything. So uh, for a guy that's used to playing in a 3-4, used to playing on the edge uh, as a pass rusher, but also can drop and give you some versatility, I love his fit. I thought he was an absolute steal in the fifth round, and a guy whose medical situation dropped him a little bit further than he should have gone uh i thought it was tennessee taking advantage of some excellent value there
0: we'll get you out of here because i know i know you desperately need time to decompress but i've got to ask you one question dane yep. how how pissed were you you had to put out a 2020 mock draft
1: uh you know it, it is what it is because it's look. the way i look at it is it's it's a, it's a watch list you know here yeah. are 32 names i just happened to pair them with another team um But it's a it's a way for just fans to look at. Okay, here are thirty two names to keep an eye on as we uh, go forward to next year's draft. And it's funny I went back and looked at my way too early two thousand nineteen mock draft after the after the two thousand eighteen draft, and I, there were I didn't I didn't get any picks right in terms of matching team with player, but there were I think eighteen names in that mock draft that ended up going in the first round. So I mean that. I consider that pretty good, and so I think it's just a—it's an early look at some of the names that you need to know if you want to track them throughout the college football season. So th- that's how I just look at it. It's, it's just a watch list that has uh, the disguise of a mock draft.
0: Well, it's a totally rational and reasonable way to look at look at it. But when I went on the athletic this morning and saw that, I was just—I just—I—I w- I felt so bad for you today. <laughs> just because it's got to be so much. At this time of year, but we uh, we always appreciate your work and and appreciate the conversation, my friend. Make your fo- make sure you're following him on Twitter at DP Brugler uh, and checking his work out on the Athletic. The subscription is well worth the money that it costs. Dane, thanks for the time, man.
1: Anytime, thank you.
0: Back here on the Six One Five Sessions podcast, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville. Very excited. Actually, I don't know if I'm excited. I I have mixed emotions about this. (laughs) NFL Network reporter Tiffany Blackman, kind enough to give us some of her time. Here on this Tuesday, and I have mixed emotions, Tiffany, because you have what because of what you've done to me publicly. Uh, are what you prepared
2: to publicly, but just state the the truth?
0: No, 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 no. This is not truth telling that you've done. Are you prepared <laughs> to apologize to me for contributing to this false narrative that I look like this ne- Neanderthal that plays quarterback for the oh Indianapolis? Oh my Colts?
2: I would not even call Andrew Luck a Neanderthal. That is a that is the biggest stretch in the stretch in the. In the, in, in the the history of stretches, stretches. <laughs> in the history of stretches.
0: <laughs> well, I, I know that, that you as an as a as a broadcast professional as a as an NFL Network reporter cannot lob such accusations at Luck, but I can tell you that I believe him to look like a Neanderthal. And will it will you at least, Tiffany, give me that I'm better looking than Andrew Luck?
2: Oh yeah, I'm still on. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're but, the worst. But. but. Come on, let's be real here, and excuse my nasally voice, I'm a little bit under the weather, after Nashville put on quite the show last week, so I would give a round of applause if I wasn't holding the phone with my other hand, Um, (laughs) so I'm still recovering from draft week, but look okay i'll say you're better looking than andrew luck i'll give you that that's but that's a victory you're, you're an easy target you're an easy target
0: i really am i listen i i have bigger beef to uh to take to mina kimes and i will deal with that <laughs> at a later date
2: I, I like applaud her as well because that was <laughs> Spot on. I can't believe no one said that to you before.
0: Oh, no, Tiffany. People have been give, giving me that since college because I went to Indiana and luck is just up the road 45 minutes oh, away in Indianapolis. But regardless, Poor these, you, these, Poor <laughs> boss. Oh, so
2: these are personal
0: battles that I will fight at a later date. <laughs> at at tiff, tiff Blackman on Twitter is where you can follow her. Now, as Tiffany said, she was here in Nashville covering the spectacle that was the NFL draft this past weekend. I saw you on stage at Tootsie's. So what is Tiffany Blackman's go-to karaoke song?
2: Oh, my gosh. My go-to karaoke song. that You're putting me on the spot here. I, I haven't done These are hard-hitting journalistic in,
0: questions, Tiffany.
2: Look, I haven't done karaoke since I recently discovered that I, in fact, um, cannot sing. <laughs> and so when this revelation came about, I mean, for what, the past, like, 28 years, I always believed that I could carry a tune. And then I recorded myself, and I was like, oh, no, I've been wrong <laughs> for all these years. <laughs> so, so uh, I was, I mean, I, I don't even think I could say a go-to one. I, I I think I should leave the stage to people who are way better off than, than I am.
0: Well, fair enough. We'll go this way, then. Quite if sense. you had to pick an NFL player, coach, or GM to sing a duet with, who would it be?
2: Ooh. All right. You know what? because these I'm are a, Tiffany by are the way, the way these are only
0: the kind of questions that you would get on the 615 sessions podcast we do right. exceptional work here
2: okay. <laughs> exceptional this is my kind of thing so <laughs> I'm gonna I'll, I'll say Taylor Luan because just because sure I think I could maintain the vocals and he was dancing on good morning football our morning show um, and I like the moves he has the other place i would go to to pick a player i'm gonna go to carolina because as you know you may have seen carolina panthers like to do the karaoke scene and i have you know, seen that you know you saw that so yes. like maybe cam newton maybe greg olson maybe those guys would like to come i think cam greg and taylor could all be like my background like background people Oh, Maybe because of before. course they would have
0: to be in the background because Tiffany Blackman is the star of the show, no doubt.
2: That's what, and I think I, I think my vocals, I undersold myself, are strong enough that I think <laughs> I could, I could, you know, be the main, the main person. I could do it.
0: I, I, I have the utmost confidence in you, Tiff. If nothing else, it made for an <laughs> excellent GIF. On Twitter, uh, but in all seriousness, though, we, we all saw the numbers on the draft here—new records with 47.5 million viewers and 600,000 fans in attendance. How did you think that Nashville executed this monstrosity?
2: It was amazing. Like I would be down for Nashville to have the draft again next year if it wasn't going to be in Vegas, which I think <laughs> is going to be equally uh, as amazing. But I mean, you saw everybody talking about the draft in Chicago and Philadelphia. Um, and, of course, as it's always been, you know, in New York prior to those. But, I mean, Nashville, you know, kind of showed up some of those places. I forgot about Dallas, too. I mean, what, 600,000 people, like you were just talking about, like mm. over the course of that, over the course of the draft. The streets were insane. Every rooftop like bar was filled. Um, I mean, from just the start, watching all the production and stuff go in to putting this thing together. Um, at least during the week when I was there doing Good Morning Football, had that early morning shift. Uh, but I was getting to see them put the stage together and put on the final touches of all of this, and just so much work went into it. And I think they put on quite the show. Um, I was highly impressed with Nashville, and I thought it was a blast.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's I I woke up Sunday ready to go at it again. And I know everybody is everybody who had to work this thing is exhausted, but it was it was such a cool and unique spe- experience that I mean, at least myself professionally, I've never I've never seen anything like that in my life, but little quantifiably, uh, there hasn't been anything like the NFL draft in Nashville. And and I'm curious to if I'm, I I have no idea whether you talked to anybody uh, in the NFL about this or not, but best guess how likely do you think it is that the draft would would make a return to lower broadway because i think they can't ignore the fact that they should at least put this thing on some kind of rotation
2: oh i mean this is just my this is my guess sure. so i haven't been influenced by anybody but i mean i put it like 90 percent chance they're coming but i mean why would you not come back um i mean i'm still like i said i know i had the morning shift and i was going out to do you know player engagement activities in the afternoons those are long days uh but I'm still recovering <laughs> <And> Like, <laughs> I mean because you wanted to be out in it like getting up early I know all the whole good morning football crew was staying out to like take part in the draft to observe all this kind of stuff like why would you not want to be out in it because it was so amazing and to see everyone just have such a good time um in that city like just it it blew my mind I feel like I I would love I'm close I live in Atlanta I would drive up to Nashville in a heartbeat uh, or fly up for another draft uh, there and I it was just so exciting I like they set the bar.
0: What was what was your favorite part specifically because I know they had you running around all over the place doing good morning football hits from literally every 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 <laughs> notable spot
3: in the city. I
0: feel like I saw Tiffany Blackman on television, but was there was there a particular interaction with a player? Was there a particular event that you covered that you thought was was unique to Nashville specifically? What what was the most enjoyable part of the draft outside of the experience itself for Tiffany Blackman?
2: Yeah, I liked how um, with this Huddle for 100, and basically it's the league initiative uh, to get 1 million people to volunteer 100 minutes of their time, which is incredible, uh incredible feat to do, but easy to do if you think about it. One person can go volunteer 100 minutes like, like it's nothing, right? Sure. Um, but one of the events that is constantly held in Nashville – or charitable events, um, the, the bridge ministry. Um, every Tuesday night, they're meeting underneath this bridge to serve the homeless community. Um, and there I got to catch up with tied Delaney Walker because um, he's a regular there. I mean, he's, and you would know this, like he's so involved um, in the Nashville community and just giving back. And, you know, I think we should champion players that, that do that because there's so many guys that do so many great things. But um, in catching up with him, um, he was basically, like it was almost like, it was he was organizing like a team thing because it is it is a team thing so to speak when everyone's all hands on deck helping to serve people but like you watched him you know through the food distribution line like directing people on like where to go like hey you need to go pick up the slack get back in the line pick up some more get another plate pass this out let's go let's go uh so that was really cool to see him in that atmosphere and then aside Mm -hmm. from that um, i think i think that would be the most memorable thing for me and then i did get to catch up with them too just a little football talk here uh you know yeah, i mean who, who needs the
0: actual football talk <laughs> Tiffany? this is vastly more interesting no
2: i'm fine i'm fine without it it's, it's nice to take a breather from it every now and then <laughs> um but we did get to talk about you know the ankle injury last year and i know jim wyatt uh who writes for tennessee titans online um you know I had asked him about this before but he watches that the ankle injury. He watches it repeatedly. Um, you know, he told me just as as motivation. What? <laughs> I'm like, I would never want to watch my own like. Oh my god, gruesome injury. Like, why would you want to see that again? But he's like, I was going to see it anyway, and he watches it to motivate himself. Um, you know, I guess to obviously get back on it. Um, heck of a player, as we all know. But uh, yeah, to motivate him even further for this season. So that is so uh, sick, it, Tiff. I, it it is. <laughs> it is when you really think about it. Um, I don't think I could ever. I mean, gosh, I Paul George. Like I haven't even. Wa- I never even watched that injury. Like, I can't, there's no, just, I mean like, I don't know how you do that. It's on it's the just caliber
0: just of like I mean we all remember Kevin Ware at Louisville and, <sighs> and of course the Paul George injury. But like the idea that Delaney Walker would regularly watch back the clip of his ankle snapping in half in Miami last season just for just for some sense of sick motivation. I mean <laughs> Delaney Walker is perhaps the most beloved of the Tennessee Titans, uh, at least in recent memory. And (laughs) the idea that he would be using this to fuel his comeback, I mean, my God, this man.
2: I mean, talk about fuel, I guess. If you're like, hey, you know, my my ankle snapped. I got to bounce back from this. I mean... Hey, it's it's we may think it's weird, but like whatever works, whatever motivates you and gets you going. Did he happen to do. uh
0: in, in your conversation with him, did he <laughs> happen to give you a timetable? Because that's something that we're all very, very curious about here in Tennessee.
2: We did not discuss a timetable, mm-hmm. um, but I I I don't think he'll be too far off. I will say that. Like he sounded like hungrier than I've ever heard him sound before. I mean, like, you want to get back and contribute. This team was knocking on the door of the play. I mean, hey, you or Andrew Luck, excuse me, you know, knock them out or kept uh, them from see, getting you, in. See, you look at year. you
0: laughing at your own <laughs> joke like you did something impressive there. I'm so mad at you. I'm about this to cut this interview short, Tiff. That was so I unnecessary.
2: Laugh I laugh at anything, uh, especially <laughs> myself because I – I, like you, am an easy target. I bring it upon myself. But, but, you know, like, he sounded so hungry. And having to, you know, watch that last season, you know, your team's fighting to try to get into the playoffs and, you know, cut have it, you know, cut short like that. Um, You know, I think they're all going to be ready for this season.
0: And it is very notable that the Tennessee Titans did not draft a replacement or a a future heir, as we'll call it, to Delaney Walker uh, with any of their six... 2019 draft class uh yeah just on the way out tiff and uh, we'll end it with i guess since you've dragged us into actual football conversation oh no let's
2: not let's talk about something else
0: <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you you wouldn't give me anything on the karaoke so now i, I have nothing else oh, but Lord. football conversation <laughs> uh just quickly though tiff your thoughts on the six draft picks that they did make jeffrey simmons a.j brown nate davis Amani hooker DeAndre Walker and David Long Jr., the the Tennessee Titans draft class in 2019. Uh, any any inclination as to how they feel about their haul that they were able to come away with?
2: I think you got to feel good about it. I mean, like every need that. That they had, they were able to address, you know, and everyone was kind of talking a lot about, you know, the defensive line, the offensive line, these are check marks that they had, and they brought in some quality players, they got in some players, you know, at, at a value, guys that, you know, you would have anticipated going off the board, um, earlier, and, um, <clears throat> excuse me sorry this cold is like
0: <laughs> well this <laughs> really is what you get on. for doing all, such such great work here in nashville no, and then so immediately so, going home and doing charitable so, work so uh fine. with with children at a mid, at an elementary school <laughs> tiffany like you're, you're you're setting yourself up for failure
2: the kids always they always get me they always get me sick but i love you know i love being able to give back and help out but um <laughs> Someone like, you know, the guy coming out of Georgia, DeAndre Walker, like, you know, I know even on NFL.com, we had this guy going a lot earlier than he, than he did. Like, well, I think we have him going like probably in the you know third or fourth. And so they were able to get him in the fifth round. Like that's a great, like a good player, um, at a great value. Right. Um, and then like, even, um, I talked with, uh, I got to add an element at one of the elementary schools. I did get to catch up with Jarrell Casey too. And so we talked about, you know, the addition of Jeffrey Simmons as well. And I know we're not going to be able to see him, you know, for quite some time because of that ACL injury. But when I asked Jarrell um, about having somebody to help take off some of the pressure of, you know, getting double team, I mean, his eyes just like lit up. Sure. <laughs> so excited at the thought, you know, of this kid, you know, joining their team uh, and being able to help him out, um, You know, I I would say they did quite well in this draft. And I think a lot of the players feel the same way. And a lot of them obviously hold their GM, John Robinson, in high regard. And like I talked to Delaney about, I mean, they know that he's doing what's in the best interest of the team, as every GM does. But, you know, it's one thing to have your players all come out and like vocally say it like, hey, he's got this. (laughs) <laughs> that kind of thing um you yeah, I think they did quite well for themselves this draft
0: yeah I mean and and by consensus it seems that the players that they got when they were able to get them uh the Jeffrey Sim- Simmons situation obviously an outlier but A.J. Brown uh and DeAndre Walker a sore subject by the way as somebody did try your your friend and mine Paul Kaharski tipped that pick in the third round uh and then he didn't <laughs> end up going until the fifth so that's a little bit of a sore subject for our dear friend Paul, but he he did end up coming to Nashville and becoming a Tennessee Titan, and and by consensus, it seems, uh, was a good value in the fifth round. She is Tiffany Blackman, excellent NFL Network reporter. You can follow her on Twitter, at Tiff Blackman, and I guess I can forgive her for her Andrew Luck jokes at my expense because she does not do these interviews very often, and much less she is doing it uh, while under the weather. Tiff, I greatly appreciate it. It was so much fun to hang out with you while you were in town, and uh, I'll see you again soon, my friend.
2: Thanks so much, Buck. I appreciate it. I'll go easy on you next
0: time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. What a, what a weekend. What a weekend we had. I mean, with it, it, it seems like an eon ago, honest to God, the NFL draft. The way that it all just uh, descended upon us, it seems. We, we knew this thing was coming for a year right? Like almost a year from the day that they got the bid uh, over Las Vegas, who will host the NFL draft next week, which is going to be a disaster uh, in its own right. But, you know, I mean, the thing that makes Nashville unique uh, and before I'm going to talk about Jeffrey Simmons, I'm going to talk about Darren Bates. Uh, I'm going to let you guys hear from Titans owner Amy Adams Strunk, because we haven't had a chance to chat uh, together since the Jeffrey Simmons press conference, since the pick was made. Um, because we had already completed our draft shows by then. And this is my first opportunity to get in front of a microphone and holler at y'all. So uh, we will we will do all of that, and I will tell you about how the DeAndre Walker pick was botched on Friday, even though he ended up being a Titan on Saturday. And I'll also tell you my Rock and Roll Marathon story. Uh, but the thing with Nashville, um, and I didn't get a chance to talk to Tiffany enough about it, the thing with Nashville that makes it so unique is the way that everything's centrally located, right? Like, we, we made the NFL draft a part of our downtown. It's going to go to Vegas next year, and honest to God, the NFL draft might be, like, the third or fourth most interesting thing that's going on in Las Vegas that weekend. Uh, in Dallas last year, it was in a parking lot and in a stadium. Not, in, not really in Dallas because the stadium's in Arlington. That's where Jerry World uh, is located. Philadelphia and Chicago are what they are, but um, these are these are much bigger cities, I guess. And I mean, well, not I guess. They are much bigger cities. But it seems that Nashville is just the right size to host an event like that and is honestly just set up in the right way uh, to host an event like that. And before I get to the funny stuff and the informative stuff and all the stuff that you guys actually want to hear, and rather than me just reminiscing on the weekend that was, um, I can't tell you how incredibly proud... I was of the city, of us, uh, of you all who showed up, showed out uh, as Titans fans or fans of whatever team you may be. uh, You made it really something special uh, for everybody who was involved, myself included. And, you know, it just makes me love Nashville that much more. And I'm sure you guys feel the same way. So we will go now to the DeAndre Walker story. DeAndre Walker, the fifth round pick from Georgia, the pass rusher, the only pass rusher that John Robinson deemed. Uh, worthy of spending draft capital on in this year's NFL draft. We're sitting in the writer's room on Friday. It gets to the third round. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, the way that this thing works for Titans Media is we are at the practice facility uh, for all three days of the draft. Now, Saturday, I wasn't there, admittedly, but I'll talk about that when I get to my rock and roll marathon story. Um, So Friday night, we are all in the media room. We've just come from the Jeffrey Simmons press conference that we'll talk about in just a moment, and you'll hear from Amy Adams Strunk then. And so there's a lot of things going on, right? Like you guys, if you follow the Tennessee Titans, you know the people who cover the Tennessee Titans, right? It's me. It's Teron Davenport. It's Eric Bacharach of the Tennessean. It's Travis Haney of The Athletic. It's Paul Kaharski, paulkaharski.com and 104.5 The Zone. Terry McCormick, Titans insider, whose story on Darren Bates we will discuss momentarily a lot of stuff to get to uh it's it's shocking how much has happened since we last spoke on thursday uh but you guys and jimmy wyatt of course uh, john glennon I'm, I'm forgetting people i'm sure Teresa walker you guys know who we are though like you guys know the people who cover your favorite football team uh and we're all together for these kind of things for the most part everybody you know comes and goes in spurts because everybody has different obligations but we're all together for the jeffrey simmons press conference Except for Paul, Paul's not at the press conference. Paul, uh, I believe, and and I, I actually I should I should probably have asked this before I get ready to talk about this, but I believe Paul had some kind of religious obligation uh, that he was not at the Jeffrey Simmons press conference on Friday. I, I believe that's that's like his Good Friday, um, and I should probably know that before I before I speak recklessly into the microphone. But re- regardless, uh, Paul wasn't able to make it for the Simmons press conference, and so. <laughs> As people like to do, uh, Paul was tweeting, I believe, uh, about the press conference of Jeffrey Simmons because it's a huge thing, right? For for a variety, a good many reasons that we will discuss momentarily. Um, but Paul is as sending a couple tweets, not live tweeting the press conferences. People who who are at the press press conference are doing, but you know, people start to needle Paul, right? Because Paul is is very vocal about. If you are not physically at an event, if you are not physically at a game, you should not tweet as if you were physically there covering the game, because it diminishes uh, the the efforts and the work of people who are at such events, who are 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 at games, uh, because not everybody travels, right? Um, and he's and he's right to a degree. Like some of us are obligated to do that because our bosses require us to, such as such as the nature uh, of the coverage, but. So, people are needling Paul, because Paul's doing the thing that he hates that people do, and Paul is doing the thing a little bit. Uh, Paul is doing a little bit of what people uh, don't, or uh, excuse me, Paul is doing a little bit of what he doesn't like people to do, and what he's been you know pretty vocal on Twitter about from time to time. So, people are needling Paul. Paul's already in kind of a mood. Fine. So, it comes to Friday night. Paul... Uh, the, the media room has been divided because it's a very small space in St. Thomas Sports Park. And so the old guard, like Paul, like John Glennon, like Terry McCormick, uh, I believe Tehran was up there and a handful of others, they're in the physical writer's room uh, upstairs in St. Thomas Sports Park. Myself, Travis Haney, Eric Bacharach, uh, and I believe Luke Worsham, also of A to Z Sports, were downstairs in the lobby because they had a TV set up. The, the area was much more spacious. The chairs were much more comfortable. And for my fat ass, it was closer to the food that was provided. Shout out Titans PR uh, for feeding us over the course of three days, uh, us media vultures. And so we opted to stay downstairs. Now we're watching the draft on a, on a laptop streaming that is connected to a TV. So there's a little bit of a delay. So we're following most of this downstairs on Twitter, and we're talking with people who we know, um, and, and, you know, trying, everybody's trying to tip picks, right? It's a lot harder than it appears to be. But, all of a sudden, in the third round, Paul Kaharski tweets, at Paul Kaharski NFL is where you can follow PK, uh, Paul tweets that DeAndre Walker, the pass rusher out of Georgia, will be the Titans' third round pick. Now, we all know at this point, that DeAndre Walker was not the Titans' third-round pick. That was Nate Davis, the guard out of Charlotte. Uh, And so, because I'm on a delay downstairs, Travis is on a delay, Luke and Eric are on a delay, uh, we believe that the pick has already been announced because, obviously, on a television broadcast, there's a delay anyway. uh, And with streaming, it's even a little more behind. So we assume that that is the pick, that Paul has broken the news, uh, and we've seen... Terry McCormick and I believe Tehran uh, run with it, so we're saying okay, we're just a little behind. We'll we'll tweet out that that's the pick, and unfortunately, it was not the pick. Paul was was and obviously they like DeAndre Walker, right? So Paul's not totally at fault, but again, and Paul would tell you this himself. I'm sure he talked about it on midday 180. I didn't have a chance to hear. Uh, this week, but the job is to get the news right, right? That's, that's always Paul's thing. Like, that's, that's why people dunk on Jason Locke and Four all the time, because he gets so many things wrong publicly and never apologizes, or never, you know, never admits fault, I guess, publicly. Now, Paul, to his credit, did. Um, but I <laughs> was the only one who credited Paul. Everybody else, or not everybody else, but a couple people took the news and you know made it kind of seem like it was their own, because Paul had already put it out there. Paul is get to his credit Paul's one of the one of the best newsbreakers that we have on the Titans beat, and because Paul put it out there, a couple other po- people put it out there too, but didn't credit Paul. I'm not going to name names that's not my obligation. All I will say to you is that I credited Paul, and then all hell breaks loose because the pick's wrong, and <laughs> people are freaking out. And, and, you know, Twitter is going crazy because Paul's got it wrong and everybody likes to jump down Paul's throat because, you know, Paul's, okay. Paul can kind of be quick to jump down other people's throat. That's fine. Uh, this, this, is, this is the era that we live in. So I'm, I, And I will absolutely admit uh, that I did the wrong thing because I did not, I did not confirm it myself instead uh, of, before I put it out there and credited Paul, uh, I ran with it because, listen, I trust Paul as you should trust Paul. And you should trust the vast majority of Titans content and coverage from the people who are there every day. You guys, as I mentioned, you know the names. But so that, that was how that whole situation went down. There was a little bit of uh, misinformation that was had. The, the DeAndre Walker pick ended up happening just the next day and two rounds later. <laughs> and so it was, so it was, uh, it was a bad, bad day for the Chief. Uh, not a bad day, but a tough day for the Chief. Because, uh, you know... It all it happens to all of us, right? It's just always it's always a little funnier when it happens to somebody else. <laughs> now, speaking of things that happen to other people that are funny, this hashtag transition, uh, Darren Bates and Paul Kaharski, You know, because I'm sure if you listen to the Midday 180, you are familiar with Darren Bates. Darren Bates is a Titans uh, team captain. He is a special teams linebacker. Came by way of the Rams, while, uh, while during the M- Mike Malarkey regime, rather. And Darren Bates is somebody who has a confrontational side uh, with the media. I personally enjoy Darren Bates. I think that Darren Bates is funny because mostly, you know, I don't care about respecting the sanctity of the locker room and the media availability like this. It does make my job harder when Darren Bates' music is loud. So when I'm trying to get audio... Uh, in the locker room when we are when we have the time um, it it makes it more difficult when the, when there are lyrics blaring that you can 't use, but also like I understand that there is something it 's something very bizarre about being in an NFL lo- or any locker room for that matter, but hovering around dudes' lockers while they are trying to get dressed or undressed for practice like in in two thousand and nineteen, I feel like there has to be a better way to do uh, to do our obligatory uh are obligatory FaceTime with the players without invading their personal space so much but you know these this is the situation so Darren Bates is somebody who has had a, an ongoing beef with the Nashville media uh he'll often play his music a little louder just kind of ruffle our feathers and Paul and, and Paul and others is this is something that's been going on with Darren Bates uh, all of last season so yesterday yesterday being monday The story breaks that Darren Bates is facing a marijuana possession charge in Sumner County stemming from an incident in February. This is Terry McCormick of TitansInsider.com that reported this. Quote, Bates, 28, was charged with simple possession after having three marijuana cigarettes in his car as he pulled into a parking lot at at a Hendersonville coffee shop on February 13th. This is a segment that I like to call reading because... You got to get the details on this story right. So Bates pulled his silver Audi, by the way, that is what Darren Bates drives, pulled into Cave Express located at 530 West Main Street in Hendersonville uh, beside Hendersonville police officer Jackie Finley and rolled down the passenger side window of his car to ask Finley if he was in line to get coffee. When Bates rolled down the window, the officer could smell a strong odor of marijuana coming from inside Bates' vehicle. Finley stated in his report that he smelled the odor until his vehicle was in a foot of, was within a foot of mine, uh, and that's a quote from Finley. At that point, Finley exited his vehicle and approached the passenger side of Bates's car. When Bates rolled down the window, Finley asked if Bates was smoking a joint, to which Bates replied, yes. Bates then handed the officer two joints rolled in raw rolling papers. A search of Bates's Audi was conducted, and Finley discovered a third joint inside a potato chip bag in the vehicle. Bates, a native of Memphis, was cited per, cited for possession of marijuana in the incident. The court date was originally scheduled for March 27th in Sumner County, General Sessions Court. However, the case was continued until May 28th, when the Titans linebacker will again be scheduled to appear before a judge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like... It, and, and here, like, I understand that people, you know, you can have your opinion of marijuana uh, and, and whatever your opinion is, the, the fact remains that in the state of Tennessee, pot's still illegal, right? However, however, uh, however, the stigma may have fallen and it has fallen considerably, uh, even in, you know, like the past five years, I feel like pot is a much more accepted, uh, uh, much more, the use of pot is a much more accepted thing. Um, which is, you know, listen, do your thing. I don't care. It's it's not none of my business what anybody does in their spare time. Uh, whatever makes you happy, right? Uh, this is this is not something I'm not going to tell people how to live their personal lives. I know Derek Morgan is somebody who uh, is is not does not you know does not advocate for marijuana usage, but advocates for the use of CBD, which can be found in marijuana, uh, for the purposes of of health reasons. And and again, that's something that is scientifically proven, right? Whatever the case may be, the behavior is, is what I find so fascinating with Darren Bates. Because, you know, I, I can't claim to know Darren Bates very well. Like, my 45 minutes a day in the locker room during the season is as much interaction as I get with Darren Bates. Uh, and, and, but, I, you know, it doesn't exactly strike me as something that Darren Bates wouldn't do. <laughs> and, and at one point, like, the comedy of this is tremendous. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, this is a Titans team captain. This is somebody who Mike Vrabel uh, advocates for, has advocated for, uh, because it's not like we haven't raised, we, the the, the assembled Nashville media vultures, uh, haven't raised issue with Mike Vrabel about Darren Bates and about how he can be disruptive uh, to our purposes or to our job when we're in the locker room trying to talk to the other players. Um but I don't know. I look at this and I think, how, how possibly bad could your judgment be? Right? Like, I understand that you're pro- Bates allegedly, we'll say all of this allegedly. Um, Bates was probably, alleged, probably allegedly, let me count this as many different ways as I can. If you're pulling up next to a, co- a, a cop car in a coffee, uh, in line to get coffee, rolling down your window, high as a mother bleeper, Probably and and getting ready to ask the or not getting ready to asking the cop hey are you in line to get coffee you probably you probably not in the correct state of mind um, and so I just I look at this and I think you know there are worse things in the world right like there's this is this is not the worst case uh, of bad judgment that I have ever seen but this is, <laughs> like how do you, how do you defend this guy if you're Mike Vrabel? How do you how do you defend this guy uh, as somebody who is supposed to be a member of the leadership uh, of your NFL franchise? Because he was uh, Darren Bates, a captain all year long, uh, and my man is pulling up next to a cop car uh, with three joints in his car and saying, you know, I don't really, uh, I don't really, I don't really have time uh, to to disperse or dispense uh, or get rid of the marijuana, the alleged marijuana cigarettes. There we're in my car, uh, so all I have to say to Darren Bates is something that I cannot say myself, but is best said by our dear friend Stephen A. Smith of First Take, the Take God, uh, who was here in Nashville, delightfully so. So we will let Stephen A. Smith take it from here. Say yeah. do it again. Stay please. off the weed. It's stay off the weed and you can't stay off the weed. He ain't getting busted for using weed. Stays off (laughs) the weed. You couldn't stay off the weed. Stay off the damn weed. And they don't listen. Stupid. Sit there and stay on the weed. What's next? I, I don't know. Codeine, weed, alcohol. I mean, what, what's next? What's next? <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not going as far as codeine, Stephen A. Smith. Like, let's keep it to the weed. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's an intelligence test, right? Like, just be common sense would say, don't pull up next to a cop while you're high. Don't pull up next to a cop when you got three joints in your car. It's like it's like the combine. The guys who fail the drug test before the combine. It's an intelligence test. Do not smoke before the the day that you know is coming when you are going to get drug tested. It's just one of those situations. <laughs> Darren Bates, uh, a hero. Uh, just a gem, honest to god, I, I hope that I hope this is not the end of Darren Bates. I think I mean I, I can't imagine well, actually, I can't imagine a situation in which they would cut him for this, but i I don't think it's egregious enough that they would let him go I, I'm just saying, uh, and well, Stephen I's just saying
1: he stays <laughs> off the weed
0: You couldn't stay off the weed You just gotta stay off the weed. Until they make it legal, and then you can smoke as much weed as you want. But until then, the NFL and Tennessee telling you no. All right, now on to more serious fare. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons, hashtag transition. (laughs) Uh, Jeffrey Simmons, the Titans pick with the 19th overall draft selection. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons the defensive tackle for Mississippi State. Jeffrey Simmons, who tore his ACL in preparing for the combine uh, or preparing for the draft. Jeffrey Simmons, who was not invited to the combine uh, because of a violence against women situation that we have all talked about at nauseam. Uh, you've seen the video uh, played all over the place. And, and you know, frankly, the way that it was covered by ESPN, I thought was, was pretty distasteful uh, in the way that they... You know, they made it They made it feel very, very fresh on the day that the Tyreek Hill tapes leaked, uh, and I didn't necessarily think that was fair. But the situation with Jeffrey Simmons is a difficult one, right? I mean, difficult beyond words. Because the way that I view this is everybody who you talk to, Mike Vrabel, John Robinson, Amy Adam Strunk, who you will hear from momentarily, everybody at Mississippi State, the coaching staff, uh, Prior, so you had Joe Moorhead, and then Dan Mullen, who actually recruited him and brought him into Mississippi State, even after the incident occurred, uh, where he is seen on video uh, beating beating a woman, uh, trying to separate a trying to separate a woman who was agitating his sister, um, who was insulting his sister's three dead children, uh, children that she lost, um, and and Jeffrey Simmons. In that instance, went to break up the fight and snapped and beat up a woman. The situation is what it is. Jeffrey Simmons at that time was in high school. And this is not a defense of of the situation. Uh, This is just me trying to to process it the same way that you all are, right? Because you can have mixed emotions about it. You don't have to take one side or the other. uh, Or you can take one side or the other and still be totally justified. I look at this, and I think that what he did was so unspeakably horrific that it is to a point where because I have friends who work for the Tennessee Titans, I have people who I consider, you know, in essence, my coworkers uh, because I work with them so closely on a day-to-day basis, uh, who are women in that organization, um, and who I who I hurt for because I'm certain that they were not. Actually, I'm not certain, so I should not say that. But I have the, I have a feeling that not every woman in that organization uh, for the Tennessee Titans was consulted before the drafting of Jeffrey Simmons. Because Jeffrey Simmons is an absolutely exquisite athlete. Like he, we have seen, we, if you've been paying attention to SEC football at all, you know that Jeffrey Simmons is an otherworldly talent. Uh, if you have not, you have since seen highlights of Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, since he has been drafted to the Tennessee Titans. Because this guy is, is a game-changing talent. And at 19, that's an incredible value. Uh, but you can, you can sit there and look at the Jeffrey Simmons situation and say, I'm never going to be able to trust a human being like that. I'm never going to be able to um, – I'm never going to be okay with somebody who is capable of that, even if it was in, in defense of his family. Uh, because those are those are totally human emotions that you would want to that you would want to stick up uh, for and defend your sister in this particular situation, who is being um, verbally assaulted and then physically assaulted uh, by a woman who was uh, who was saying hor- horrible things uh, to your sister about your nieces or nephews. I'm not I'm not certain what what the gender of the of the children that Jeffrey Simmons' sister lost were, but it's. It's a very difficult situation to parse. So you can, you can view him always with a, with a wary eye, but you can at the same time want something uh, for a 20 or a 21 year old, want a second chance for a young man um, who by all accounts has done everything in his power to reform and who has done everything in his power to make sure that he is a, a part of every community that he is in working with and trying to prevent future incidences uh, by mentoring people who may come from similar situations um, and who, you know, Jeffrey Simmons talked about that at his press conference. He said, you know, I'm already thinking about what I want to do after football and and whatever it is, I want it to involve mentorship, uh, mentoring of youth because, as he said, he grew up without a dad. He knows plenty of people that grew up without a dad, particularly in sports there are many stories of people who have grown up without father figures and how it and how it affects their life uh, in, in detrimental ways. So you can want both things. You can feel both things. This is not a situation. Or, or you can feel one or the other and be totally justified. This is the risk that they took um, by drafting Jeffrey Simmons. This is something that Jeffrey Simmons will and should, by the way, live with for the rest of his life. It should be a constant reminder for him Every day that he cannot ever, and I mean ever, slip up in a way that is even remotely detrimental uh, to his, his now, uh, his, his employers in the Tennessee Titans, the people who took a massive risk, uh, a massive chance on him in John Robinson, Mike Vrabel, and Amy Adam Strunk. They really went to bat for this guy. And I wanted you guys to hear uh, a clip from Amy Adam Strunk during the introductory press conference with Mike Vrabel, Jeffrey Simmons, John Robinson, Simmons' family in in attendance, his sister, uh, who was a part of that video. I wanted you to hear Amy Adams-Strunk when she was asked how she was approached about the situation by Mike and John uh, and how she processed, as a woman, as a female owner, how she processed having somebody like Jeffrey Simmons uh, as a part of her team.
3: John and Mike came to me months ago and we discussed the then, we watched the video together and you know, it begins with trust for Mike and John that I was able to get comfortable, but they were both very respectful that I needed to be comfortable because at the end of the day, I had the final decision. So, you know, it was a process, but it did not take me long to see that um, this young man had an incident when he was in high school, and you know We all can look back on our lives in high school and wish we'd done things differently But you can talk I'm sorry you can the best thing is is that he's lived the life of I'm truly sorry, and I'm gonna be a good man And so that made it really easy for me to become comfortable with Jeffrey and we're getting a great football player, that goes without saying, but we're getting a great man. And John and and Mike, too, especially, you know, our locker room is so important. And we only have good men in there. And this young man is a good man.
0: Now, what you don't see in that video, um, well, you can hear Amy Adam Strunk getting emotional. Uh, you can see, if you watch the video uh, and I've tweeted it out at Buck rising, I'm sure you can find it um, on Titans online or, or or from anyone who was at that press conference um, is, is Jeffrey Simmons sobbing um, and holding his head in his hands. And, and it was a truly, it was, it was one of the most emotional things that I've ever been a part of. Um, And I sit there thinking, you know, okay, if, if this is a situation where, Amy and John and Mike are willing to go to bat for this kid. They haven't given, none of them have given me a reason or any of you all a reason uh, to distrust them. What they, what, what Amy Adams Strunk is saying there is truly, is truly so uh, they have made a conscious effort to make sure that there are not bad people in that organization and trust you and me. There have been bad people in the Titan, Tennessee Titans organization over the course of the history of that franchise. They're no longer there, um, be it coaches, be it players. This is, this, is a, this is a franchise that has done more than just a reformation on the field. This is, this is a franchise that has done uh, a really a legitimately wholesome makeover. And now they've taken a risk because they feel like they can handle it. They feel like they can trust the person. Who they've brought in in Jeffrey Simmons, um, and if they're saying that, then I'm willing. I'm willing to. I'm willing to see. I'm willing to wait and see what happens. And I wanted to meet Jeffrey Simmons uh, before I made any judgments for myself. I did that at that press conference. Um, I heard Jeffrey Simmons talk. I heard his side of the story. I heard. I've talked to people at Mississippi State, people who have coached and worked with Jeffrey um, in that community. And on that team, I've talked to people in that organization who tell me that this is a legitimate thing and that this is somebody who has, who has, who has done something horrific, as Mike Vrabel said, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, a, a good person who has made a horrible, horrible mistake that will haunt them for the remainder of their days. Uh, but you can, you can fix, you can't fix what he did. You can never fix what he did, and this is this is where you have to be careful. You have to couch these kind of things, because uh, I I can't imagine what it's like to be I can't imagine what it's like to be Amy in that situation. That's a really really hard thing to do. But when she says that they approached them a couple months ago, uh, when when John and Mike approached her a couple months ago about this, they knew that this was something that that could be in their within their reach. Uh, this is somebody that I believe that. Mike Vrabel wanted very badly. I think Mike Vrabel wanted this guy from the start, Um, and I can say that with confidence because he is a superior uh, football player. And it feels like they did their homework. So I'm going to I'm going to let them. I'm gonna let. I mean, I'm not gonna let them take this risk. They're taking this risk on their own. They don't need my or your permission to do so. Uh, As as Amy said, this is you know this is her team. She could pull the plug on it whenever she'd like. Uh, but if they're going to take a risk like this, if they're going to go to bat for this guy, then I'm, I'm going to have to let things play out for myself, uh, and work and, and see how it is to work with Jeffrey. Um, but the truth of it is, of it is, I don't know how to feel. And I guess it's okay if you don't either is what I'm trying to say. And so that was a, it was a very, very, a very, very hard thing to process over the weekend amidst all the fun that was the NFL draft, amidst. You know, and having fun with the Darren Bates situation, um, be, be that as it may, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to feel, you, you, can, you are allowed to, I'm, this is a difficult thing to process even now as I'm talking it out on the podcast, because uh, I wanted to have, you know, I wanted to have a legitimately human conversation with you guys uh, and tell you, you know, it's okay if you don't know how to feel about it, because I don't either, and, and we'll see how it plays out, because if it goes poorly... There's going to be consequences for everybody involved. Uh, John, Mike, Amy, people, you know, the people responsible, Jeffrey, obviously, the people responsible for bringing him into that organization um, and, and holding him up to us as somebody uh, who Mike Vrabel said he was excited for us as the media to meet and to talk with Jeffrey ourselves. And I came away from that press conference thinking, OK, you know, we we can give this a go. It's OK that I don't know how to feel about this. Um but I will reserve judgment until something happens. But until then, he's got, he's got this thing that's going to haunt him forever. And I just have to, I, and you as Titans fans, um, just have to trust that the people in that organization did their homework, uh, were well-researched and well thought out and were, were thorough in their due diligence on this. Okay. (laughs) Wow. Wow. That was so super serious. Uh, I, I, have to, I have to do something uh, to get out of that rut. Oh, my God. Because I, mean, <laughs> I went from Darren Bates to Jeffrey Simmons to violence against women. Like, this is, this is a whole range of emotions. My God, guys. I, this is what happens when you podcast by yourself. You're allowed to get lost in your own thoughts, uh, and mine are just all over the place. So what we'll do is we'll end this uh, in a funny way, and I'll tell you what happened to me uh, during draft week. And how the Rock and Roll Marathon is now my mortal er enemy, no matter whether the draft is here or not. So, transition. (laughs) Saturday, the Rock and Roll Marathon is taking place. I had the honor and the privilege uh, to be a part of ESPN's uh, On the Clock broadcast, a part of ESPN's On the Clock broadcast, uh, something that our friend Jason Fitz was hosting all three days of the draft. Uh, for ESPN's digital services, with Mina Kimes, Mike Golick Jr., Dominic Foxworth, Field Yates, there was a, a a various cast of characters from ESPN uh, that were that were on the show, and so Fitzy was kind enough to ask me to stop by Talk Titans, talk about the draft being in Nashville, and and so I'm very excited. This is my first national appearance, guys. Like I'm shook up. Okay. Like you can, ask, you can't ask my girlfriend uh, about how awful I was to deal with, but you can imagine if you guys have had any interaction with me at all or, or seen how I behave, you know, that I was unbearable to deal with heading into this broadcast. Cause it, you know, it's nerve wracking. This is live. There, there are no, there's no commercial breaks. There's no dump button. If I cuss like this is, this is totally raw, totally real. And if you mess up, then you know, if, if my career ends, it might as well be on a national stage and up in flames, right? And then the Jeffrey Simmons thing lands in my lap and I'm like, oh my God, I got to talk about this on a national show with people I've never worked with uh, and on live air uh, and be totally terrified of it. So I'm a, I'm a nervous wreck. I wake up at four, I wake up at five, I wake up again at six and I'm pacing, I'm trying to do my research, I'm trying to make sure that I'm uh, well thought out and thorough in preparation for this broadcast and I'm getting ready to head over to uh, the set over at Nissan Stadium by the draft experience, and this is the morning, of course, of the Rock and Roll Marathon. And I live in the Gulch, as I've mentioned, from the the home office here in the Gulch in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee. I live on Eleventh Avenue. Uh, don't come find me, uh, if unless you would like to, you know, send me send me something that's nice. Don't send me any, you know, questionable packages with anthrax or anything like that. I'm sure some of you would like to, uh, but I live on Eleventh, and that's in the in the direct path of the marathon. I live in an apartment building. Off 11th in the Gulch, and so I'm 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 all I'm all dolled up. My there's enough product in my hair to make it feel like there's actual concrete mix holding up my my quaff. Uh, I'm I've got I've got my TV makeup on because yes, if you do TV as a guy, you wear makeup. It's something that we all get over. Uh, and and hell, I know people who wear makeup TV makeup out afterwards because they think it makes them look good. I'm not one of those people, uh, but I won't say that I haven't forgotten to take off my makeup when I've gone out. Anyway, story for another day. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, all, I'm all dolled up. I'm ready to go. Uh, and my girlfriend, who is here uh, for the weekend, and living in, lives in Atlanta, came up for the weekend to see, see me do my national thing uh, and make sure that I don't just collapse in, uh, in, in pure distress, as I probably would have done if she hadn't been here. And she's looking at the marathoners running by. Uh, and she goes, hey, look, look at all the, look, you know, everybody's dressed up. There are people wearing tutus. There are people, you know, how, how goofy, uh, how, how people get dressed up silly. Uh, sillily? No, that's not the right word. People dress up for the marathon is what I'm trying to say. And so I go out there to look at the runners and I notice there's no cars on the street. And I always park on the street because it's the closest place to the door. Uh, and it's just for the sake of convenience and laziness. I have a parking pass to my back lot, but I don't ever use it. Um, because it's easier for me to park on the street. So I I notice no cars on the street. And I'm seeing, oh no, my car was on the street. Where is my car? I have a national broadcast to get to in 30 minutes. Why is my vehicle not out there? And then I realize that my car has been towed because my apartment uh, that I'm currently sitting in now, shout out 11 North, well done by you, uh, did not send out an email notifying the residents that cars would be towed on the night before the marathon if they were parked out on the street. So your boy has to frantically run out to a, a tow tr- a wrecker service to go get my poor baby uh, locked up at the impound, take it on the nose for $220 on the day that I'm supposed to do a national broadcast and I'm already shook up as hell. <laughs> I'm telling you, I have never been a more miserable individual to deal with a day in my life. And guys, I am an absolutely miserable individual to deal with on a day-to-day basis. You people can't even begin to imagine how terrible I was. God bless my wonderful girlfriend uh, who was able to suffer through all of that with me and keep me calm throughout the duration of it. So I just thought I would share that story with you uh, and let you know that justice, sweet, sweet justice, is a very, very real thing uh, for all the, the recklessness and silliness and making fun of others that I do. Because my dumbass got towed on the day of the Rock and Roll Marathon because, of course, they're going to tow cars on the day of the Rock and Roll Marathon to clean out the street. <laughs> what an idiot. But that's going to do it for us today here on this Tuesday. Many thanks To our guests, Dane Brugler of The Athletic and Tiffany Blackman of NFL Network. Make sure that you are checking out those interviews. uh, If you missed them, you shouldn't have missed them. You're listening to this podcast. But if you enjoyed those interviews, you can find all of the interviews that we have done in our archive of the podcast if you rate review and subscribe we invite you to do so leave five stars on those ratings four stars remember just makes you a hater many thanks of course to my friends my bosses my colleagues my comrades at a to z sports austin stanley and zach bingham check them out 8 a.m weekdays on a to Z sports streaming periscope and facebook live the nashville's on demand video talk show uh, they are the proud presenting sponsors of my idiocy here on the 615 Sessions, and we are grateful to them for that. We are also grateful to all of you who came up and hang out, hung out with us uh, during the draft, who introduced yourselves, who uh, I was able to meet. It was incredibly fun to do so, and I'm incredibly grateful for all of you guys who keep me going. That being said, I'm Buck Rising, the idiot who got towed on the day of the Rock and Roll Marathon, reminding you to stay hot, Nashville. We'll talk to you Thursday right here on the 615 Sessions presented by A to Z Sports and A to Z SportsNashville.com.